0: Welcome to Kohi Chats, the podcast about interesting things in the tech industry that have happened in the past days or weeks leading up to this podcast. I am Regina and I'm here with James, whom I have not seen for about two weeks now. You know, it's crazy that we are already 25% done with the year. Yes,
1: insane. Three months so quickly. How was March for you?
0: Well, March was a very happening month for the gaming industry. There were four notable huge financing rounds that happened within just a span of one month. And four, while it might seem like a small number, it is certainly not a small number when it comes to the number of financing rounds that have happened. Okay. So firstly, we have Roblox that went public at the beginning of March at a $38 billion market cap at the close of the first trading day. And then we also have Rec Room, who raised a $100 million round at a $1.25 billion valuation. Now, Rackroom has a similar concept to Roblox except that its target market is around 13 to 16 years old compared to around 9 to 12 for Roblox. Then we have Manticore Games, who raised a $100 million CVC round. It is a platform where, unlike Roblox and Rec Room, users create games that are not tied to a specific, predetermined universe. And the company also coined the term Creator Multiverse, which translates to multiple metaverses, and it aims to quickly scale up the platform geared towards capturing the crowd aged 13 and above that may have already left Roblox. Lastly, There is also a company called Overwolf that raised a $52.5 million Series C round and it is a platform for gaming fans to build in-game overlays and modifications for all kinds of PC games. Examples of such uh, overlays or modifications include things like map overlays for a gamer to navigate his or her way around a game, or dashboards or leaderboards to keep track of statistics of multiple characters and other players, and even tools to modify characters or apps to communicate with other players when you are inside a game. Oh,
1: you know, speaking of these four companies that you mentioned, it just occurred to me that they seem to share a common theme that is all of them revolves around this concept of metaverses and user-generated contents is a very central part of all these companies' games, Indeed. I would say. And in fact... Now that i think about it um roblox and because uh rec room is similar to roblox right they do not produce their own games i believe yep so th- what they do is they enable all these developers all the public to be able to develop their own games within the roblox um or the universes that they have developed and you know, I think it's a very interesting way of giving power to these developers, right? To uh, have some user-generated content that could entice other players to play their games. And in that sense, you know, these companies, they do not have to actually create their own specific contents and instead leave it be a mediator to the players and the creators. And now that, you ma- now that I think about it again, Overwolf is a bit different, I believe. Overwolf? Yeah. Yep. Overwolf, what how does it work? Can, can
0: so, unlike Roblox and Rec Room that p- basically provides a platform that supports UGC content for games, right? Overwolf is actually a company that enhances the already existing metaverse experience by providing a, sort of a UGC as a service model for gamers. So that, that's how the in-game overlays and map map overlays, dashboard overlays, etc comes into play.
1: Oh, so so what this also
0: means is that um, As a gamer For example, you, you, you are playing In say League of Legends for example Correct. And you, you Know that there are certain tools that can help You uh, monitor or understand The game or your game progress a little bit better hmm. So what this use, uh, CG as a service model Means that you as a gamer you can create a, a service or a Dashboard or whatever and then you can make it Available for other gamers Ah. so you, you can basically create and you can monetize on the assets that you create so in, it's not necessarily creating a metaverse from scratch but it's creating something that can be applied as an overlay to a metaverse
1: oh that makes a lot of sense actually mm-hmm. like it it gives the moneta- monetization ability to all these creators instead of having to do it individually on all these different u- metaverses mm-hmm. they could just do one time and monetize and use uh, overwolf right and but, but the
0: best part is also it's I think it is cross-platform compatible mm. and but I'm not sure whether it is cross game compatible
1: Oh I see
0: So I mean like having if you are able to achieve both cross-platform and cross game there is like like a whole new like dimension for gaming but but back to the topic <laughs> on U- UGC games and metaverses we have seen how like this space is currently very hot right You're right. But do you personally really believe that the democratization of game creation uh, is here to stay? Like, will it be, will we really be seeing more of such UGC games springing up in the near or not so near future?
1: I do believe so, actually, Regina. Because I am a player of Minecraft. And, well, despite that, Minecraft has its own base game, right? Um, they give abilities to developers outside of the Mojang. Mojang is the co- company behind Minecraft mm-hmm. to develop their own um, games, their own mods, we call it. And the amazing thing is, sometimes this mods actually is more pop, can be very, very popular, to the point that it, it attracts back some of the players that have left the game to come back and try it again. And oh. I think the most amazing thing about all these mods is that it adds a new level of creativity, a new le- level of exploration that was initially not intended by mm-hmm. the developers. But then suddenly people just come up with ideas like, hey, actually I can use the Minecraft platform, the Roblox platform for my own ideas. And they have the tools that en- enables them to do it. And so it becomes a very new experience and also very interesting experience to all these new players
0: so in a sense it's like leveraging on the masses to extend on the storyline that the game publisher originally intended for
1: correct and i think that the ability to democratize all this ugc creation is is what makes minecraft roblox very very successful in the Mm -hmm. first place and like you kind of need like people get bored very easily, right? And by mm-hmm. having all this UGC, maybe out of one thousand, maybe only one will get popular.
0: Right, right, but true. But
1: then, when it it's popular, it's really, really popular, and that's, and that adds a lot of dimension to the to the universe that w- then what was it initially intended for by the developers.
0: I guess that's like the commonality, right, between. Any type of UGC platform. Correct. Yeah. Like there can only be like that top 1% or even lesser mm. that will really go really big. Right. So from that point of view, right, I do I think that I'm quite suspicious or quite critical about whether this UGC content will be here to stay for the long term. Oh really? I mean if, if it's UGC for game assets, like character assets, right. sure. But if it's you uh UGC game um content in the sense of creating a brand new game itself, Mm. then I'm a little bit more dubious because in order for something to be uh, successful UGC content, or rather, in order for a UGC game to be the future of gaming, it really is dependent on how easy it is for a user to build games, first of all, Mm. and second of all, how much creative variety can the platform unleash? So if we take a look at the spectrum of technical skill sets that are required to build games, right? right? We have from Roblox. You need to know how to code uh, in order to build games. Okay. So that is, that is like a barrier in itself. But, the, but thankfully, there are a lot of teaching resources from the beginner stages to the advanced stages to guide you uh, to learn a new code and then apply it to game creation. I see. Then, moving up from the spectrum is Rack Room, which allows players to, uh, which allows players that are non-technical uh, to create, create games without code.
1: Oh, Okay. Are there other so like polar
0: for- polar opposites, okay. right? Um and then there's also if you move one step further, is uh Manticore Games, uh who is basically like a little to no platform as well, mm. similar to Rec Room. Uh and they also have this drag and drop function for game creation, but they are interesting uh, they are interesting from the perspective that they have a specific focus on remix mixing existing assets whereby users are allowed to pick pre-made environments, pre-made assets, and modify modify them to make them into a version of its own. So instead of building it from scratch, you build upon other people's uh, already made version. Kind oh. of like versioning in the software context.
1: Oh, I see. But then it, it hits me that, you know, with more... Um, when creation becomes very easy, when the platform it makes it very easy to do things, for example, right, like, like Manticore games, right, it's just drag and drop uh, platform. Wouldn't that uh, sacrifice the creativity that you can get? Meaning, like, um, you see, with coding solutions uh, like Roblox, you can because it's so um, granular, you can actually do a lot of things that you wanted to. But now. With Manticore Games, for example, you are mm-hmm. limited to what they provide, don't you think so?
0: Absolutely. So, with a complete, uh, a complete uh, mass code type of solution, there is a one hundred percent creative freedom, right? There's no template for you to build off upon. But then, for little to no code platforms that have like those drag and drop functions, usually it already comes with a templated set of assets that you can play around with. So the customization is not really like one hundred percent customized to your to your like imagination for example. So there is always a trade-off between little to no code solutions and the variety of outcomes that could be as a result. And this is interesting because this made me recall back to the 2017-2018 era um, where the no-code or little code chatbot building platforms were all the hype. It is so important, you know, drawing from drawing from um, lessons learned in that era that these little to no-code solutions have to figure out how to unleash the variety and sophistication of each outcome so that it can be on par with games that were actually coded out. And I'd go to the extent to argue that this parity should be even more important in games than it is uh, for chatbots because games are so much more complicated uh, and it takes a lot for a game to be fun and engaging. So then the question now is, will little to no code type of solutions ever reach, ever help games reach that point?
1: Actually, I'm quite bearish against that because I've seen a lot of drag and drop platforms, no code platforms that, you know, like I want to do for example but because of the limitations of the physics and the game or limitation of um, the platform itself mm-hmm. i just can't make what i wanted to make originally mm-hmm. and you know like when designers game designers when they have ideas right uh when it can't be implemented then you have to make some trade-offs uh in terms of the design of the game right then you might lose the core of what made the initial idea interesting in the first place and that's my opinion on on drag and drop platforms like manticore I think Roblox is a much stronger platform mm-hmm. to create a metaverse um, of games as compared to the ones offered by Manticore. What's your opinion on that?
0: I think, I think my opinion still holds, and it could be similar to yours, that I do think that Roblox ultimately, even though it's a little bit intu- in, unintuitive to think that oh, Roblox requires a higher technical skill, therefore it cannot scale, compared to a little to no-code platform. But ultimately, at the end of the day, what makes a game successful is the number of players, the stickiness, retention, and all that. Yeah. And the amount of money people spend in-game. And if you were to peel one one layer even deeper, the factors that leads up to this success is whether the game looks good, whether the game experience feels good, and things like that. Mm. And while you could argue that a drag-and-drop platform can help you to create that um, experience... Maybe experience on the back end in terms of like, oh, this character goes here, goes there, and then this character has, meets a roadblock, needs to do a certain task. Well, this can be um, easily done with like a drag and drop platform, but ultimately it's the interface. It's how it looks that affects how it feels at the end of the day, especially for games. I mean, yeah, the same concept true. can be applied to apps, but I feel like it is a more, it, rather it is a stronger, uh, stronger point that people have to be aware of when it comes to games versus um, viewing it in the same lens as apps.
1: Ah, yeah, makes a lot of sense because as a gamer myself, well, the first things that you see, in fact, a lot of people judge a game based on their visuals Mm -hmm. first, Mm -hmm. even though it could have... um, Of course, Minecraft, Roblox is those games that break this barrier Mm -hmm. because, I mean, they look a bit boxy i would right, say right right, right, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> but then like because the core games uh mechanic is so interesting right. people stick with it mm-hmm. but you know minecraft and roblox is two out of what one thousand mm-hmm. thousand games that may have, right, might right. have same concept with very interesting ideas but just because the visual doesn't look that appealing mm-hmm. it turns people off
0: right so it's an argument or rather it's a debate between visuals versus functionality right mm. Like, if both can achieve the same level of functionality, then the visuals would be the differentiating factor. Right. But it's then I would also argue that drag-and-drop uh, solutions might not be limitless in terms of functionality.
1: Okay. Huh. So, so much well, so that
0: it still puts Roblox at an advantage because right. there might be certain uh, game mechanics or certain nuances about a character or about a metaverse that you can only do... You can only execute with code instead of executing it with a predefined template yeah i
1: definitely i definitely as a programmer myself i definitely agree on this like coding gives a lot of flexibility gives a lot of freedom Mm -hmm. to the creators and yeah I, i i also think coding platform coding platforms are greater than drag and drop platforms just because of the fact that you mentioned.
0: Right, right. But then it also depends on what the platform seeks out to be in the first place. Are they intending to be like a very sophisticated platform or are they, are they more rudimentary for a different type of use case, for example? For example, if I were to code out or rather if I were to design, a, say, a meeting room for a corporate, then then a drag and drop kind of template might work.
1: Yeah, definitely
0: Right yeah. Or, or if let's say like uh, It would be interesting If schools actually Put this into their curriculum So if let's say Like a six year old kid Right oh. I mean like these days Like parents are sending Their kids to tuition At like age three I wouldn't be surprised If they, if they start to uh, Put their kids Through coding boot camps At, at age three as well mm. uh, But that being said Imagine if a drag and drop Solution like rec room uh, Were to be put were to be like um, Transformed into a School syllabus for kids, ah. to kind of ease them into the whole coding world, so they right. graduate from rec rooms to go to Roblox, in a sense.
1: Yeah, it'll be it'll be much easier to keep them interested in coding, mm-hmm. coding itself. Yeah, right. yeah,
0: yeah. Because ultimately, one challenge of coding is sometimes you learn the theory, but then it's like. It's the application that satisfies you, right? Correct. Like the, yeah. the actual like coding, <laughs> and then you know seeing the result happening. Getting it to work. Exactly. Exactly. But then going back to the the whole uh, point about UGC games being a hot sector right now, there is actually another signal that I recently encountered that points to the um, whole movement of how UGC metaverses um, is is going to be like a thing for the next few years at least. Oh. And this is by looking at the decisions that Epic Games has made in the recent years and in recent months. Oh, Fortnite. Yeah, exactly. So just a little bit of background of Epic Games. They are the publisher of Fortnite. And they are also the creator of a game engine for 3D Worlds called the Unreal Game Engine. And so, so in 2018, or rather at the end of 2018, they actually became an enabler of the metaverse by supporting user-generated content.
1: Oh, so actually they are also moving to UGC. Yes. From having complete control over all their game creatives, now they are letting people be their own creatives. Uh,
0: Exactly, and they actually launched this in the game's seventh season of the updates as a way for users to create their own experiences with friends within the Fortnite universe. And then, most, and, and then more recently, in September 2020, they became an investor in Manticore Games.
1: Oh, the one that just raised another round of funding, right?
0: Exactly, exactly. So clearly, Epic Games is very bullish on this space.
1: Right. So I heard I heard uh, from the news that the team Sweeney, the CEO mm-hmm. of Epic Games, actually said that, like, you know, how in the company in the last decades, they have their own... Um, social media platform, they have right. their own web pages. Mm-hmm. He thinks that moving forward, uh, all these co- um, companies are going to have their own own metaverses. Like they would have their own assets in Fortnite, Minecraft, and Roblox, for example. And you know, uh, it might be bigger, a bigger shift than what they did. Mm-hmm. What happened from right. web pages to now these metaverses?
0: Right. What's Ooh. your opinion on this? I've never, I nev- I've never thought about it from that perspective before, but it makes a lot of sense, and and I can see how it can like uh, bring a new uh, job vertical up as well. Oh, so what kind? Because <laughs> you you mentioned that um, in the future there might be like brands might have its own like metaverse in each game, right? One in Fortnite, one in Roblox, one in blah blah blah. Right. The very fact that you have multiple metaverses, and the very fact that these virtual worlds currently are like wall gardens, like they are not, they are not uh, interoperable within one another. Right. This also means that you need people to manage each channel, and for people to manage each channel, in that sense, the person managing the channel needs to be well versed within the game environment.
1: Right. So
0: then you need at least one person or two two people to manage each channel, right? Mm. So then, with every uh, fragmented industry there will be someone who comes in to kind of aggregate this channel management thing, just like they did for social media, just like they did for like websites in general or marketplace management. Mm. So new job opportunities. Oh, Watch out for it. New <laughs>
1: business opportunities as well, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Like being a business that aggregates the data that you collect from all these metaverses could mm-hmm. be an, an, a good business idea mm-hmm. actually
0: or this could even be the starting point for how the gaming technology will evolve to from being cross platform to also now adding a cross gaming interoperability uh, function whereby for example and let's say I've, if I'm Nike I release a Michael Jordan like a really exclusive Michael Jordan only available in the virtual world I drop it in Roblox okay if I am a user in Roblox and I'm also a player in Fortnite for example right mm. Wouldn't it be great if I could access that same pair of shoes for my character in Fortnite?
1: Oh, that's a very interesting way of interpreting the bit- win games. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that'll be great, right? Like you don't have to recreate whatever assets that you have made in one um, universe mm-hmm. to another, mm-hmm. and you can market the asset that you want to market easily between all this. Platforms.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And it makes it easier also to kind of manage. I guess the only hard part will be like, how do you tweak your the same pair of shoes to fit the different characters in different uh, virtual worlds?
1: Oh, that's true. Cause they have very different visuals. Like,
0: mm-hmm. like but I bet form, right? I bet there will be a startup upcoming that comes up with some kind of technology solution that helps you retrofit the same shoe to different characters, different settings with just one click.
1: I think it's possible. <laughs> Especially like considering game assets creation, um it's ma- maybe maybe they can make it similar between the platforms mm-hmm. like you maybe one 3D asset in one file type can mm-hmm. be converted easily to other um file types that can be used in all these universes. Right, we'll right. But we'll have to wait and see I yeah, guess. There's yeah. none right now, right?
0: Right, right. Yeah. And it's a very strong marketing strategy for brands if you come to think of it. And if you also think about how e-commerce is getting into newer and newer channels, like social channels, like Snapchat, for example. Mm-hmm. They, are, they, they have e-commerce integrated into their platform now, whereby you can browse your socials and then shop at the same time. The same thing could be applied to games. And it's up to the brands to decide how they want to execute that marketing within the virtual world. So I believe the possibilities right now are endless from that perspective.
1: Mm, definitely. Definitely.
0: Because it's not defined yet Right
1: Yes so And well All these companies They enabled All the uh, um, Creation Because they are now Focusing on the UGC Aspect mm-hmm. of their games Right mm-hmm. So
0: And I think UGC While we We talked a lot about How UGC can benefit Brands and everything And then I mean I mean on, Just on the point of Cross-platform And cross-gaming mm. I feel like UGC Is up to something Even more oh. for, for users as well like it's not just about UGC within a particular world That's engaging I think it's about Creating an ecosystem
1: An ecosystem you say?
0: Mm-hmm. Oh. An ecosystem that has never been seen Before in gaming
1: I've never thought of it that way um, Can you tell me more?
0: So basically Right now the stakeholders in the U- U- UGC uh, uh, world will be like, you have the creators, uh, you have the publishers or the platform that enables these metaverses. And then you also have gamers. Yes. So it's like there's three stakeholders now compared to two in the past where you do not have that, that UGC creator component. Okay. So in this ecosystem that I'm imagining, it's basically like a win-win-win situation where creators get to earn side income, publishers get to in enjoy increased engagement, the same thing for platforms that provide these services, and gamers enjoy more content variety and quality.
1: Yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's true, right? right? Yeah. And,
0: and this whole concept of ecosystem is dear to our hearts, right, James? <laughs> <laughs> so, when we were both working in Rakuten, I mean, I'm still in Rakuten, James has moved on. <laughs> but while we were both working in the same company, we actually learned that the core um, advantage or competitive uh, factor of rakuten was it was in the ecosystem that it built around itself on e-commerce and then extending this uh, e-commerce offering to payments entertainment logistics food telco fintech etc etc right and all these are tied with uh, one membership one membership id that allows you to have access to over like hundreds of business services so just on this point alone, an ecosystem just basically means that there are more things for, for a user to consume. Correct. Right? And this also means that a new economy could be born. Oh. So, if you take a look at Roblox, for example, right? Yes. Uh, Roblox has an in-game currency called Robux.
1: Yes, yes, I've heard of it.
0: So, Robux is very interesting because if it succeeds, and I believe it is succeeding right now uh, as, a, as the linchpin to this uh, economy uh, building right so what this means is imagine imagine if you if you are a new user mm. you have zero robux right creators game creators get to earn robux when they sell their assets right Mm-mm. so imagine okay, you create a game you sell it somebody buys it you earn robux if you are able to trade robux to cash or vice versa. Mm. If you're able to trade one digital asset with another digital asset that another creator made, or if you want to exchange your assets with more Robux uh, without necessarily having to sell your asset, uh, or even more crazy idea would be uh, exchanging or rather trading Robux with other types of in-game currency. Trading Robux for Animal Crossing currency for example or even to make it even crazier um, linking it to the cryptocurrency world could be something of like a possibility yeah, but, but let's not get there <laughs>
1: <laughs> maybe we can discuss that in another episode
0: but just, just on the points that I've mentioned alone there are so many micro ecosystems that could happen within one Roblox ecosystem
1: Oh yeah, definitely. Because like you said, right, um, Roblox has a lot of user-generated games. Mm-hmm. And imagine, well, if you the Rob, Robux, right? Robux is the currency that connects all of these games. So maybe wha- maybe in the future, you'll mm-hmm. be able to trade this Robux between, like you can earn from one game and use it in another game. Exactly. That will be an amazing value proposition for the creators. Mm-hmm. And also for the gamers, because mm-hmm. now the gamers has more ways to spend their Robux.
0: Exactly, exactly. And then there's like more functionality to the Robux in itself. There's more meaning to it. Correct. So then then there'll be an extra tick to the engagement piece as well.
1: Ah, yes, definitely. And brands love engagement.
0: That's true. Brands are always on the lookout for new discovery channels and distribution channels. Hold on
1: right there, Regina. I think this is a good point to end our episode. So thank you all for listening.